0: Here with Kevin Barton from Bob Bray Associates, and Kevin has been instrumental in delivering the Day Overloper project in Middleburg, who are one of our project partners for Water Resilient Cities. Kevin attended a Water Resilient Cities Conference in Boulogne-sur-Mer presenting his approach to sustainable urban drainage here in the United Kingdom. So, Kevin, tell me a little bit about your success with your tender for the project in Middleburg and what you've been what you've been up to really.
1: Um. Yeah, well, at that, um, the, the project was presented uh, at the boulogne sur conference, um, and the, the client, Bas, from um, Middleburg, uh, who's an engineer there at the municipality, presented um, the scheme and was looking for ideas uh, in a sort of roundtable discussion forum, and... It struck me, it was a project that was right up our street. It was a about an 800 metre long linear park. It was a cycleway and a footway. Um, but it felt like more than just a, a kind of sustainable transport route. Um, it was sort of surrounded by um, quite, actually quite nice uh, tree and sort of parkland spaces. Um, and it was in the heart of a, um, a sort of social housing estate um uh, built up since the 1960s and so this idea that they were trying to store 1500 cubic meters of rainwater in an existing public space um and recognizing that that would have impacts on the usability of that space was really what interested me because that's kind of one of our um A a, a big philosophy really is is how when you bring SUDs into an existing community, what we call the host community, um, it needs to give something back to that community, because quite often it won't be those people that live with the SUD schemes that actually benefit from the reduced flooding. That might be someone several miles away um, in a flood zone that doesn't flood so much. Um, So it's really important to us that if we are going into existing communities, these spaces that will host the suds need to be designed in such a way that it really um, gives something back to the local community. Um, and we we like working with local communities to explore um, what the design of these spaces can be um, when they bring water into them because um, we very much see rainwater management as being an opportunity to bring more sort of dynamism and uh, life and biodiversity and play um, to green spaces. So I was obviously very enthusiastic at this roundtable discussion and uh, and encouraged Baz that when it came to tendering that he consider us, which he did very kindly. And um, so we did tender. I went over there, visited the site, spent some time there. I spoke to a few local people and uh, really got a feel for what that space meant to the community now, um, what their feelings were around sort of water management, sustainability and biodiversity, um, but also critically looking at, starting to look at, well, what kind of positive changes would they like to see anyway in that park space? And use those in our tender design um, as as catalysts really for how the suds might form so that the suds responds to those community needs Um, And that was the big message, I guess, that we we put across in our presentation was that we wanted them to see that this was an opportunity to really really enhance that space for the local community, that we use the requirement, these new requirements for sustainable water management as opportunities to create even better green spaces uh, in our urban environments. And um, yes, went over for an interview and um we found out a few days later we got the job and um, yeah the rest is history hopefully.
0: The rest is history so that's really interesting that you're talking about community engagement and sustainable urban drainage because when we were doing our pilot site in the other park in middleburg we found that actually there are small businesses there are elderly residential care homes there's a theater in the vicinity of this proposed site for water management and i think you're quite right that sometimes suds isn't always visible is it so when we're dealing with water local residents don't often understand why we're doing that do they so that's i think maybe that's what you're saying about this project as well that it had to be making suds more visible potentially from a community perspective
1: yes i think um i mean again in this community um i mean uh, in in the uh, in in that area of, uh, of the netherlands uh, zeeland area they're acutely aware of the issues of flooding, um, having had some catastrophic floods in the past. Um, but I guess, you know, in, 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 in today's Netherlands, um, you know, I, I don't think they particularly felt there was like a local need for flood protection. In terms of water quality, um, I don't, again, most members most, most most of the community on all projects, um, when we talk to them about the fate of pollutants in our urban environment and the damages it does to the natural environment, To most people, to 99% of people we talk to, it's something completely new. It's not an issue they ever knew of before. Um, And so when we show our pictures of thousands of dead fish in the River Lee, most members of the community assume it's some industrial accident. But when we tell them it's just because it rained in London in the summer, um, it's the first time that it's occurred to them that just the way we live in our urban environments can cause uh, such levels of destruction. Um, and so part of the process the very first meeting with the community was about raising that awareness and getting that buy-in that actually these are important issues not just the flood issue and that sort of human uh, cost of of, of flooding um, but also the the pollution issue is uh, a very uh, strong has a very strong moral imperative and and at the same time, in tandem with that, we like then to present lots of images of actually, you know, here's our SUD schemes that we've worked on demonstrating how when we do this, you know, although we are effectively, you know, you could perceive it as solving a problem with solving the problems of pollution and flooding, um, and quite often when we, uh, as as a, as a species, when we when we solve problems, our our solutions can be um, uh, quite, can, can often be kind of intrusive and, um, and, and not really provide other benefits. And so we were very keen to then demonstrate that the, by solving these problems, it's actually an opportunity to create uh, really special spaces. So we gave them lots of examples of the qualities that managing water in the landscape can bring um, and hopefully then get that, get that buy-in. Um, and they were, they were great. They were very excited and enthusiastic.
0: And it's really interesting to have their shared learnings sort of Anglo-Dutch collaboration as well, which is what these inter projects are all about, really, to be honest. And um, you uh, were just talking to me about your little trip to Rotterdam to do some scoping of some of the larger sud schemes that have been delivered in some very dense urban environments. So tell me a little bit about what you've learned from looking at how the Dutch do sustainable urban drainage, because obviously we say, oh, they're, they're leading the way, they're, they're trailblazing. So what, what can we learn and also what can we provide in terms of knowledge transfer, do you think, for collaboration in the future?
1: Um, well, yeah, What's uh, what struck me, I think, when I, when I first... Um when I first came across this project when it was presented at Belois and Mayor um, and then also looking at some of the high profile schemes in Rostand, Um I think where there's a few ways I think which um, I feel the, the Netherlands is way ahead of us so one is that uh, they're very lucky in that communities are very used to living with water and so the site in Middleburg, for example, we have um, a canal running through it with no fences. And this is in the middle of a public park. And it has a steep-sided, probably fairly deep ditch uh, along part of that, part of the project site. And again, um, right next to that is uh, a ball-playing sort of pitch area. Um, and there's a sort of pragmatism around uh, children and water and the concept of safety, um, which means that actually they are hugely embracing of the idea of water in the landscape. In fact, they're actually pushing us to be more adventurous, uh, which (laughs) is saying something in terms of, um, you know, play and water, which with communities in the UK is really unusual. So they really want to, um, they really want lots of, Sort of water play and nature play. Um, in fact, in uh, elsewhere in Middleburg, we went to visit this lovely site where there's an open water play feature, public accessible, next to housing, no gateways, uh, open twenty four hours a day. Um, there's balance beams, stepping stones, these floating wooden boards that you can sort of paddle around freely. Um, There's lots of risk of falling in that water Um, and at the entrance into the site there is a signboard saying basically there are risks here. This isn't drinking water quality water. Um, There may be sharp objects in the water. Uh, You can drown in water. This is not supervised. Be sensible. Supervise your own children. and but yeah more importantly have fun um and it's that sort of pragmatic approach i think it's a great opportunity for the mm-hmm. netherlands um, and one that we need to we need to learn because they are then able to embrace the opportunities that rainwater brings mm-hmm. where they've done that in places like rotterdam um, um great projects sort of water squares where um you're combining play actually deliberately combining play areas so multi-use games areas with uh, temporary water storage and extreme rainfall events um, what i what I have noticed in a few projects is um, as actually is is the case with ninety nine percent of schemes in the u k the emphasis seems much more about flooding than the other issues of water quality mm-hmm. um, and also Again, as in the UK, most schemes um, don't have an emphasis on, don't have adequate emphasis on source control, Um, so that's removing pollutants and removing silts to stop them being a problem within the scheme itself. So the sooner we can remove pollutants and remove silks from the flow of water, then that water can be an opportunity for amenity and biodiversity. Um, so uh, what I have seen are uh, schemes that when it when it rains and these things fill up, um, they also fill up with mud and silt and um, uh, become sort of quite unsightly. Um, and also that makes me alarmed about the fate of pollutants because they're clearly they're not being dealt with and treated, and so presumably they are passing through to the to the watercourses um, and polluting those. Um, so I think you know for us. Um, We're acutely aware in our design processes that we we start from the top and we we very much from where the water lands. We're thinking about the fate of those pollutants and those silts Mm -hmm. and we're looking at every opportunity to remove those as naturally as possible using nature-based solutions wherever we can. Um, But also particularly then looking for ways as soon as we can which we can use that water as an opportunity whether that's for irrigating landscape areas um, but at the same time using those landscape areas to remove those pollutants and silts, or uh, using green roofs to take out silts off roofs, Um, uh, yeah, it's that the sort of, uh, I guess, a a kind of hierarchy of different features that will remove pollutants, um, but also then features that once have been protected from those pollutants and silts can store those large volumes. Um, So I think it's maybe some of those subtleties that we bring to the design process, which um, we're weaving into our design a lot more in uh, the overall scheme in Middleburg, um, which uh, you know I think we're, we're we're quite excited about bringing some of those ideas and um, and actually some of our uh, technical developments as well. So um, uh, around our very simple uh, flow controls, which um, uh, I think when I first mentioned these at the Boulogne Sommaire, um, uh, Baz, the client, at Middleburg's ears pricked up. Um, because so I was able to explain that we could we could uh, control flows down to very very low flow control rates, um, and really exploit the sort of storage that we were creating to, to its maximum, um, and also in doing so maximise the natural losses into the ground, um, and through evapotranspiration.
0: No, I think it's interesting what you were saying about missing the resource control and other amenity features because we find that as an organisation as well. You know, we're in the business of urban trees and trees as bioretention. And what you were saying about the schemes in Rotterdam where the trees had almost been bypassed as a solution on one of the schemes. And I think that's true. You're bringing a subtlety of design and encouraging people to think about green infrastructure and blue infrastructure in tandem rather than trying to divert the water but not making the use of vegetation and trees as part of that holistic process. Potentially, mm. that's what I think we've we've got out of that mm. kind of case study of, of just walking around some of these larger urban environments.
1: But, yeah, I think so. I mean, actually, in, in, in that particular project... Um, there were there was the existing sort of uh, planted tree space which I mentioned uh, to you before this interview where um, actually then water was channeled through them without touching them, um, but also actually there were new um, there were new pockets of of, uh, of green infrastructure which actually were raised up um, for other design reasons but um, they had no apparent uh, water sort of storage functionality. Uh, But not only that, but that's a missed opportunity. If we are taking rainwater to a space um, to manage it and we are putting green infrastructure elements in that space, Mm. then it's a missed opportunity if we don't combine those two things because quite often those green infrastructure elements will suffer in the summer from drought. Um, But we have the opportunity to take quite large doses of water to them every time it rained. Mm. Um, And I think if we miss that opportunity, we've got to see it all as in tandem really completely combine the blue and the green they should be completely combined um, and again and it all comes back to seeing those precious raindrops that land on every surface of that development as an opportunity an opportunity to irrigate that landscape to keep it healthy to keep it cool the urban heat island effect, um, for um, amenity in play and for biodiversity and, and if you look all the time as you're designing, as the, the rain is being an opportunity, then you see these opportunities as you're designing and you don't miss them um, as we've seen in some of these cases.
0: Well, thank you very much, Kevin, and uh, I'm sure that all our partners listening will be very excited to follow the, this project. It's a quite unique opportunity to collaborate across borders. Thank you.